Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. Let them know who's the dynamo. Who's the dynamo? Who's the dynamo? Who's the dynamo? Welcome to episode 51 of There's Still Time, the AFT podcast. Today we'll be previewing the weekend's match between the Vancouver Whitecaps and the Houston Dynamo. Today I'm joined by our regular co-hosts for the preview show, Aaron Campbell. Nice to be back. And Jay Duke. Hi everybody. Let's talk about the game that happened last week. The Revolution and the Whitecaps tied 0-0. For the game itself, was it a positive to get the point, or do you see it as it being a negative for the style of play, which has kind of been two weeks in a row now? I think the positive was getting the point. Last season, we gave up way too many points in way too many games. You look at a team like Portland last year, where they found ways not to lose. It seemed like we found a lot of games ways to lose, to lose points. I say we take points when we can get them on the road. Moving forward, every point counts. We missed out on the playoffs last season. By a couple of points, you know, two or three extra ties last year, we're in the playoffs. Jay? Yeah, it's, it's certainly glass half full. You, you've taken two points from two away games. I felt way different after the end of this game, and I, and I don't know why. I don't know if I'm in the minority, but I, I, I felt a lot more positive after that game. And maybe it's because the second half was a lot better. There was a lot of improvement there. Maybe my expectations weren't quite as high, but... I feel a lot better taking one point against what might be an, a, a, a decent team in New England in a place it's hard to play and a long flight and all that kind of stuff. And the wind, wind, wind conditions. Yeah, too, terrible, much. terrible conditions to, yeah. to play in. So you're you got kind of got to take a positive. I felt okay about that the draw afterwards. And it's a clean sheet as well, which is something that the first of the season and 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 above that there's. We've had some shaky moments on defense over the first couple games, although we really haven't been burned on it. It was actually a lot better, other than the fact that we were being overrun in the midfield. The back four, the back five, including David Ousted, who had a great game, they they really played really well. I thought they defended really well. They didn't allow a lot of really clear-cut, easy chances. Yeah, other than the first 10 minutes, there's two or three New England chances. They really shut them down. You know, there wasn't much attack coming forward. Ostend made that great save. I don't know if he won MLS save of the week for it. So, yeah, it was a good game. It's great to get the points. You know, we need the points moving forward. Let's take them how we can get them. Now, we all kind of agree that Ostead was the best player, you know, on the pitch at that, that game. He controlled the back line. He even contributed in the attack a little bit when he threw that ball to the halfway line to Mane and he almost got something on the run. 
Who, 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 in your opinion, was the worst player in that game? Who was their bottom? We know Aaron had the countdown and everything. Um, who was your guys' worst player? Maybe expand on it a little bit. Jay? It's a tough one. It's a kind of a toss-up between Fernandez and Rio Coker to me. But i got to give this one to Rio Coker just because at least Fernandez wasn't, got involved. Anytime he got involved, he did something poor with the ball and put it out of play or gave it right back or made a bad decision. But uh, Rio Coker... Uh, he was, in, in my books, the, the worst player and contributed the most to that poor first half. He wasn't even showing for the ball. Uh, I, the back end deserves some blame for not trying to play up through the middle and continuously just lumping that ball way over the top. But at some point, the midfielders have to come in and join in. And those those two guys, Lava and Rio Coker, have to be the ones to be able to pick up that ball and turn around with it. Yeah, I know during the game, Leveron was lumping the ball over the top almost all game long. It was getting frustrating watching that because mostly with the wind in that game, that wasn't going to work. You're going to have to attack on the ground. But if you pass the ball to Nigel and he won't do anything with it, what other options do you have? He he just seemed like he wasn't there. He wasn't attacking. He wasn't moving forward. Laba wasn't much better, but he wasn't as bad as Nigel. Yeah, no, I do agree with you. Now, of course, you were saying lumping the ball forward too. Some of that has to do with probably, like like Aaron said, the inability that they saw something that the midfield wasn't able to do, the high pressure New England was getting in. And give credit where it's due. New England played quite well in the first half. Yeah, New, in, in New England, that's their home opener too. Right. So they're, and they're coming off two losses. They haven't scored a goal yet, and they still have yet to have a score to goal through three games now. So... Yeah, you're right. Give credit where credit's due. That's that's our thoughts on the New England-Vancouver game. To get a coach's perspective on the upcoming match against the Dynamo, on Thursday we talked to Gordon Forrest, and he shared his thoughts on the match. Gordon, uh, your thoughts, overall thoughts on Houston, first of all? Yeah, it's a it's a challenging game, uh, difficult one. They've had a you know a good start to the the season. Obviously, their first game on the on the road, but uh, you know season after season, they're always you know they're always up there. So uh, you know we've had a good look at them. Uh, we've assessed how they play, uh, and then hopefully it'll be a you know a, a good performance for us this weekend. Um, they've had a week off yeah. now. Uh, is that something that you? can take advantage of or is it uh, you know for a veteran team like that does it really make a difference for them yeah I mean they'll only know that and on how their squad's feeling I think they might have had a few um, a few little injuries in there so again that could weigh up to help them you know in terms of recovery but sometimes you want to keep the momentum going then it's good to keep um, to keep playing so again every every squad will be different in, in that sense yeah two weeks off for you guys from BC plays two weeks on the road uh, you're back on at home is there something that the uh, you can look forward to at home that, that maybe is different from yeah being on the road. It's, it's exciting coming back home you know you, you can see that from uh, the first game of the season with the you know the fans and just the place and the, you know the excitement about the, the players we do have and uh, you know when the crowd gets behind us and it's uh, you know it's, it's like that extra player you know for us and the, the players are excited as always to play at BC place yeah there's a couple of guys on Houston that do kind of run the uh, attack, like mm-hmm. Brad Davis, Borja yep. Garcia. Like, is it a matter of picking your poison, or is, is, can you? Is it possible to 
you know, prevent both of those? No, I mean, as I say, it's difficult. They're a, they're a team of quality. Um, again, we do our, our homework on teams, so to speak, and, you know, we identify key areas where they're, they're maybe stronger than, than others. So we've got to, you know, we've got to pay close attention to that. But again, you know, uh, right throughout their team, they've got a, you know, a decent squad. But as you mentioned, there are some, uh, you know, key players within there that will, you know, have to keep that uh, attention to detail to more than other times. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Okay. So now we're joined by somebody who knows a lot about the Houston Dynamo, covers the Dynamo for Total MLS, and is in fact the managing editor for the website itself, Dustin Richardson. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So Dustin, we're going to talk about the the Dynamo. They're off to a great start. Obviously both games at home. They haven't allowed a goal yet. They did have last week off. Do you think that's a big factor for them, or do you think this is a team that you know, is kind of built so they don't have to rely on momentum and they've got the good veteran leadership. Yeah, I think, that, I think they've got a lot of good veterans on there where, you know, that kind of thing isn't a big deal to them. I actually talked to Corey Ash in the locker room after last week's game and asked him that same thing, you know, would, would you guys prefer to keep going with this nice start to the season or do you like the time off? And he, he said, you know, either way is good for them. They just have to keep, keep strong in practice, keep fighting in practice. They actually scrimmaged uh, San Antonio Scorpions last week from NASL. So they they played but not a not an actual game. So they I think they've you know, they're looking to remain sharp and with the veteran guys they have I don't think it should be too much of a problem. The duo of Will Bruin and Giles Barnes, they they are they seem to be like almost like a perfect duo up top. How good are they and are they the best in MLS? I, I don't know about the best. They're they're definitely probably one of the good ones. They're both very young. I think Bruins twenty four, Barnes is twenty five, or the opposite. Barnes has talked a lot this year just about how him and Will are just now starting to click, and they're still young, and they have a lot to learn together still. So that's that's scary for other MLS teams. But Barnes is one of the he came to the Dynamo as more of an attacking midfielder, but since he's been playing forward last year, so he's he really feeds off Bruin well, and Bruins been very hot to start the season. He's one of those guys that once he starts scoring, he, he goes on a streak, and he's on that streak now, three goals in two games. He's, he's As you saw in the last game against Montreal, he scored off a deflection, and sometimes when you're hot, you're hot, and shots like that go in. But yeah, I think they're they're definitely clicking, and they're, they're only going to get better, so we'll see we'll see how that partnership evolves the rest of the season. The player behind him, uh, Boni Garcia, he, he seems to be, there seems to be a shift in the attack where before it was Brad Davis uh, like being the facilitator to the attack. Do you think it, there has been a shift, and is it the Honduran that international that is really leading the attack for the Houston Dynamo? Boniak is a special player. He's, he definitely pulls the strings a lot. Davis is still a, a big a big part of the offense. He He's moved inside some. This year, uh, Tony Cassio was out against Montreal, so Andrew Driver started wide, so that moved Davis inside, which kind of brings a different element to his game. But Boniak, he, you know, he's great on the ball. He His delivery is always right on. He's got pace. He beats guys on the on the outside. He creates havoc pretty much anywhere he goes. He He's one of those special players that you just like to watch and see what he does. But he, he's definitely 
the, the puppeteer of the Diamond offense. So Davis is still, don't count out Davis just yet. He's still a key piece of that puzzle, and he'll be he'll be with the national team next week, which shows he's still he's still got a little left. A lot of questions about the back line. They, there were some changes there. Uh, they got David Horse and uh, Jermaine Taylor there. They've obviously not allowed any goals so far this season. Do you have any concerns about them going forward, or is this this the first two games? Is this a sign that the Dynamo are pretty solid at the back end now? Yeah, the, coming into the season, the the defense was probably the biggest question mark, especially with the central defenders, Horse being new, Eric Burner being hurt a lot of the preseason, and he's yet to play this year. But Taylor's solid, and Horse has been a rock in the defense. He's all the other guys in the Dynamo are big fans of his, just the way he controls the middle, and he's very physical. Um, wins a lot of balls in the air. And then they have, in my opinion, two of the better outside backs in MLS, Kofi Sarkoti on the right, Corey Ash on the left. So they were always going to be a solid piece to that. Now adding the Taylor and Horst, which seems to be a good partnership in the middle, they've, they've only solidified one of the better defenses in MLS. And Tally Hall is behind them all in that. And he's, he's kept two clean sheets to start the year with that defense. So they... They definitely are on a roll right now, and I don't think I think the the issues that may have been there in the preseason about the Dynamo defense have very quickly gone away. From the Dynamo point of view, what are their key factors in uh, in this upcoming match against the Whitecaps? What do they need to do in order to get a positive result on the road? It'll be interesting for, to see if Cassio can come back from his injury. I know he's been training this week, so if he's if he plays, that'll put him in the middle with Ricardo Clark and move Davis back wide on the left. So that's, that'll be a big question mark still to see if Cassio can go. But, but I think they they have they have to keep Vancouver at bay, obviously, with this, some of these quick guys they have. But obviously controlling the midfield is always big for the Dynamo. They they have four good midfielders with Boniak, Ricardo Clark, Brad Davis, and whether it's Cassio or Andrew Driver. They, they, they pick their spots. They choose their spots. They get forward. They... They feed Barnes and Bruin, who seem to always be in the right places. So it's going to be big for them to control the midfield battle. I know Rio Coker saw today was not going to play, so that could be a, an advantage for the Dynamo there. Definitely in the midfield, and more importantly, probably on the wide midfield with Boniak and Davis getting down the flanks. Now, getting away from the the game itself, an overall picture for the for the Dynamo this season, the past. Three seasons that they have, they've finished in the fourth or fifth spot. Obviously, two of those years they made it to the finals. What do they need to do to get into that top three of the Eastern Conference? And where do they fit in right now to the Eastern Conference? There's obviously a lot of teams that have improved. Where, where do they fit in? I think they're they're definitely one of the, the contender, very contender in the East for sure. They, like you said, they last few years they kind of limp into the playoffs and then they get on a run towards the MLS Cup, and last year they were knocked out in the Eastern Conference Final, but they're always one of those teams that gets hot. I think one of the big things this year for them is this will be the first year in a few years that they haven't played in the Champions League, which has always been a, a big thing for them, which matches in midweek and having to travel down to Central America. They won't have that backlog of fixtures now. They'll be able to rest guys a lot more. Like I said earlier, they're a veteran team, so that rest is big for them and just not having to play those Champions League matches well. Obviously, the supporters like to see it, but for the team, I think it's one of those kind of blessings in disguise where they don't have as many matches this year. They'll be able to stay fresh more during the middle of the season 
with the World Cup break. We'll see how that helps them too or hinders them. But I think they'll definitely be there in the end in the East. It just feels like a different team this year. They have their goal on winning MLS. They'll obviously play in the Open Cup, but Dom Kinnear's never really put much stock into that. But they're one of those teams that they, they tend to kind of go quiet in the middle of the season. So it'll be interesting to see this year how they can keep the the points going just throughout the season instead of having to charge late and then charge into the playoffs as a four or five seed and play that extra game. But I think as far as the other Eastern Conference teams, there's a lot of good teams in the East, but I think the Dynamo definitely has to be in the discussion. Over here in Vancouver, obviously with Martin Rennie being fired in the coaching search, there was a lot of talk about Dominic Kinnear maybe being an option for the Whitecaps. He was entering the last year of his contract, and he is currently in his last year of his In your opinion, obviously he's, he's with them this year. Is he a good fit for the long term, or is, is there a time where you can see that maybe they're, they're, the Dynamo will move on without Dominic Kinnear? I think Kinnear is the Dynamo coach as long as he wants to be, pretty much. He's he's got a great amount of respect from all the players in that locker room. They all love Dom. They love playing for Dom. I know Brad Davis, every chance he gets, he praises playing for Dom. And, you know, they've been in Houston now. This is their ninth season. They've made the playoffs seven out of their eight years. They won two MLS Cups. I don't, if Kinnear wants to stay in Houston, I think he could be in Houston the rest of his life and just write a contract however he wants. I, I mean, eventually he'll, he'll retire one day, but for the, for the future next five, ten years, I I wouldn't see any reason to think he would leave unless it was some big European some European job or something like that or a New York City type thing that got Jason Christ to leave. But yeah, Kinnear's I think Dominic Kinnear is the Houston Dynamo. He's been here since the beginning. He's kind of the team kind of embodies his whole mindset and tactics and Kinnear's here to stay for a while. Finally, uh, what, how do you think the match is going to go? What's your prediction for this match on Saturday? I'd obviously be happy with a win, but I think something like a 1-1 draw would be would be good. I think it'll be interesting to see how the Dynamo bounce back just with the time off. They haven't been a great road team um, in the last few years. 2011, they were pretty terrible on the road. So it'll be interesting to see their road form as this will be the first road game of their MLS season just to see how they how they do, how they get up for it. I think a draw would be ideal. But, I mean, they, they the way they've played these first two games, I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see them take all three points. Before we let you go, Dustin, let our listeners know where we can find you online. You can find my work at total-mls.com. You can follow me on Twitter at HOU Sports, or you can follow our Total MLS account at Total MLS. And obviously, you guys are still doing the Google Hangouts weekly? We are. We are in a little bit of a break right now. But yeah, usually every Monday night, you can catch us live talking about the weekend that was and any other interesting topics that come up. Perfect. Thanks a lot for joining us, Dustin. All right. Thanks. So that was Dustin Richardson of Total MLS joining us to uh, talk about the Houston Dynamo against going up against the Whitecaps. So let's talk about it ourselves, guys. What do you guys... This is a team, Houston, Vancouver. They split their four games they played so far in MLS. 
in each of those games, the home team has won. In 2011, the two teams split their games. In 2012, it was the Whitecaps winning last year, second game of the season. Houston took it out, even though that was the game where they were up one nothing and had a chance to go up 2 nothing. It didn't happen. That's old, old, old story now. What do you guys think about this game? What are some of the key points to look forward to from a Whitecaps point of view? Uh, my key points to this game are the two central backs for the Dynamo and the goalie, uh, Tally Hall. David Horst, who played for Portland last season, and Jermaine Taylor, who was injured in the last game last season and missed all the playoffs. Those two center backs are shutting people down this season. Houston hasn't allowed a goal yet. Their goalies only had to make four or five saves this season. So they haven't been attacked, and Vancouver's got the speed where they can attack those center backs. And Morales, you know, if he can move up, get his head on some balls, get some direct free kicks, get some goals and shots on net, I think that'll be huge for the Whitecaps. Yeah, and the thing is, you're talking about this pace and everything. This is a very physical Houston team. Uh, they mentioned it during training today that they're going to be going up against a physical team. To beat that physical physicality, you're going to have to use your pace and speed to break them down. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think one of the keys against Houston will be trying to keep an eye on their their service to guys like Will Bruin, who's hot right now. I'm I'm not convinced he's going to be this deadly for the rest of the season, but you know, decent in the air. They've got a lot of creative guys like you know Brad Davis and Boniet Garcia to provide some good service in there. So I think it'll be important to to keep an eye on them. But really, I don't know if Houston's been really tested yet i mean they played a they played a new england team at home in the opening game of the year and new england they were having some issues with their back line went down really early when the game's three nothing 23 minutes in you know that that sure changes things and then against montreal they another team who's probably not going to be near the top of the standings this year and uh, Houston's still allowed uh, a bunch of shots from them. I think it was 16 from Montreal. And the previous game against New England was like 19 or something. What I'd like to see is the Whitecaps get after them and really press them. Could be because we haven't seen that. They haven't really been challenged yet. So if they're, if they're able to get a goal early and, and keep the pressure on, uh, I think it'll be more about the Whitecaps than it'll be about Houston. Yeah, and the thing is, is you're talking about pressuring them early. This Houston team, the two teams together... They're basically polar opposites because Houston is a strong starter, starting team. Four of their five goals have been in the first half. Vancouver, on the other hand, have been four of their five goals in the second half. So to get press them early and not make sure you know they get in onto a good rhythm and everything is, I think, is very important for the Whitecaps. Yeah, mostly during the opening game against New York, Maddox attacking defenders really wore them down throughout the game. And then when you had a guy like Manny coming on, attacking tired defenders, that worked really well for the Whitecaps so far this season. So if Maddox, Tybert can run at the center backs, get them exhausted, get them chasing you, that can open up a lot of room in the second half for attackers that come on as subs. And for sure, Maddox could be a guy that really kind of breaks out of his goal drought because he, in the past two games he's played against Houston, he scored three goals. So, almost four. Yeah, almost four, exactly, <laughs> if he had finished that one. So could this be a game where Maddox does something again? Yeah, I, I've been... Does, does something on the score sheet, I should say, because he has done yeah, very well on the pitch. Uh, you know, I've been... I've, every week so far, we've been praising him and saying he's been doing a good a good job, and I think he'll have more chances uh, at home. He'll, there's, there'll probably just be a little bit more room out there for him. So I, I think so. I hope so. And I 
I think he'll there'll be a little bit more room for guys like Morales out there to you know we saw it last week we saw it the week before we mentioned it we were, we were all confident going into Chivas and New England the MLS is so hard on the road for whatever reason and that works both ways and that's one of the reasons why we're so dominant at home over the last couple of years is because it's just a tough league to play on the road so I think they'll have a lot more chances there'll be a lot more room out there so I think I think Maddox makes good this week. This is a really a North American thing because in Europe and everything, you just take a, a bus ride or a train to go to your to the, where you're going to play. I, th- I believe, uh, I could be mistaken on this, I think the top team on the road was Kansas City last year. and They won that's eight right. games, I think. I think um, right. And obviously they're playing in the East, so it's a shorter travel. Western Conference, it was six games was the top team. That's six out of, six out of 17 games. So that's that's a pretty low number. That I I, don't th- I think people got to look at that. You know, the road games are going to be tough. You get your wins when you can. You get your draws, but the main thing you want to take care of is your home home pitch. Absolutely. One of the other things we want to talk about too. Uh, obviously, we we talked about in the first segment about how poor of a game he had. The weekend didn't get any better for Rio Coker because he kind of had a run in with a bike rack and and. He, tripped over I don't know if he was skateboarding we don't, there's no details they haven't given any kind of details yet he's obviously not going to be playing he's got a concussion we don't know how severe the concussion is a slight concussion will he be back the week after but for now we'll talk about lineups in a bit but I think Kofi is the odds on favorite to probably come in for the lineup right I think even if Nigel didn't fell over bike rack whatever happened to him I don't think he was going to start anyways just the way he played last game and the way Kofi came on the field and, you know, he, he stepped up big. He proved in training, you know, he wants the minutes. So I didn't even see Nigel getting the start anyways. You'd like to think that N- Nigel Ryokoka is another one of those guys that you pencil in every week. But Robbo looks like he's the type of guy who's willing to say, and this is what I'm thinking, maybe what happened with Demerit the week before, is that he, they said, yeah, they rested him. And it seems weird to rest a guy on the third week. So, you know what? Maybe maybe it was he went and had a like, quiet conversation and said, hey, you haven't been good enough, so we're going to make a change. You take a week off and we'll we'll come back to you. I think that maybe that, that would have happened with Rio Coker even if he didn't have well, his his very fishy bike rack face scrape incident. Well, I'm sure they didn't tell him to fall over a bike rack or anything like that. Probably... Probably not. That's, but he, well, that's taking one for the team if he did yeah. that for the for Robinson. Either way, uh, I think bringing in Kofi is is probably the right choice and probably what's gonna gonna happen. Hope to see he rebounds a little bit. One of the, the one of the guys that like I I went to training on Thursday and they were doing some drills where they were crossing the ball in from the wide sides and kind of doing volleys in the net. One of the guys that was so clinical was Pedro Morales. Now I know he's there for as an attacking, you know, midfielder in the central in the central position, and and he's he's a bit of a playmaker. But the, there's got to be a way, and he scored that goal in the box. There's got to be a way to get him more pushed up into the box, get him space in there, and and try to see how dangerous he can be scoring goals from there. Yeah, um, Whitecaps have never had a player with Morales' skill set, so I think the coaches are still learning how to use him properly. I know they have him on the free kicks and the indirect free kicks, but see, the more and more the season goes, I think they'll fit, try and figure out how best to use him, and that might be a good way moving forward to get him in the box and get him attacking that way. 
When the Whitecaps were so successful in the first week, that's one of the things that really stood out to us is that we noticed how many guys, including midfielders, were making runs into the box or runs out wide and clearing out space. And it's something that we haven't seen a lot of in the, in quite a while in in Vancouver. So certainly if he can choose and be a little bit more free in the number 10 role when you only have a single striker, that, that number 10 can pl- make plenty of runs into the box. Hopefully we can get a little bit of width with with uh, Tybert and, who, and whoever ends up playing on the on the left this week, Fernandez, Miller, whatever it is, and get a little bit of room for him. And that'll come if, with that pressure. If the Whitecaps get after them, hold the ball, keep making runs, that'll come. Now, one of the, the last point I think we should discuss is the, the fullback play. So far, we haven't seen much from Betashore and Harvey. It's whether, you know, how the game is going, they have to figure that out. It could be part of the strategy, maybe keep the fullbacks back, because especially with New England attacking and Chivas attacking. But going up against a couple of salt, very attacking fullbacks in Kofi Sarkodie and Corey Ash, how do you think that's going to work into it? Like, do, Are they going to have to really stay back again and make sure they cover their defensively? and they're, Or are they going to have to rely on their midfielders, the wingers coming back and really helping them out? I, I think it's going to be a little bit of both. Um, Betashore has been been a little bit quiet, but pretty good defensively. No, I, I'm not saying defensive. Yeah. I'm saying going forward, he has a couple of moments a game, but yeah. not as not as effective as everybody thought he was going to be. So I, I think we're going to see we're we're going to see both of them probably uh, stay at home a little bit more. But it, it's at home. I, I think they're going to be given the green light to go forward if they see an opportunity. So I think the emphasis will be on the wingers to come back and help out. For, for certain, Russell Tybert, who didn't have the greatest game, but but really wasn't that bad. And there wasn't really a lot of... New, New England didn't have a real good attack down that left-hand side. So I think he's he's written in stone at this point for the home game. And then on the other side as well, and maybe that's a reason why you don't put in somebody like Mane, is because his defensive side is not as good. And with, with a attacking uh, right-back like Kofi Sarkozy... Jordan Harvey needs the help. He needs uh, he needs the help 1v1, never mind if you have a really good quality attacking right back coming at him as well. So those are our thoughts on the game itself. Uh, now our weekly segment with Michael McCall. It's called Trio Time uh, with a special appearance by Predictor Pooch. Trio! Too loud. Trio! I said that was too loud. I want a trio and I want one now. There's no doubt that the White Caps are going to face a really tough test in Houston this week. The three factors I'm going to pick this week to look for in the game. The first one is don't get caught napping at the B&B. And in this case, the B&B is actually Bruin and Barnes. Now for me, Bruin and Barnes are two of the most dangerous combinations in MLS. I had them in my fantasy team last year. I've got them in my fantasy team this year. When they're on form, they are like such a handful. And the Whitecaps seem to get off to slow starts, especially going forward but defensively they can't be caught napping Houston like to get off to an early lead and those guys can really really punish the the Whitecaps on Saturday so it's really important that they they stay tight they stay focused and they keep both Barnes and Bruin under a very firm leash my second point also kind of has a a bit of a defensive feel to it in that I'm wanting to see the fullbacks pushing forward it's YP Lee day on Saturday why not honour YP Lee the best way by actually having a right back and a left back that tear forward? Do that, we can put Houston under a lot of pressure and also take pressure off the defence ourselves. Best form of defence is always attack. 
We need to get the wing play going. Not just from the wingers, we have to get the right back, the left back, Betisure and Harvey, they need to be pushing forward and making an impact. My final point of trio time this week, it's already been touched upon, but the Whitecaps are struggling in the first half. Not an AFC Wimbledon style of struggling, where until Tuesday night, they hadn't scored a goal in the first 28 minutes of any half all season. That was remedied on Tuesday night. Hopefully the Whitecaps can remedy it on Saturday. They have to be a first half team. They cannot concentrate on being a second half team, changing things at half time and really going for it and spreading the field in the second half. They need to stretch the pitch in the first half, not just rely on tired opponents' legs. They just need to really get things going from early on. So that's my three things for this week to watch for. As always in this section, it's now time for Predict-A-Pooch. Predict-A-Pooch, come here boy. Now Predict-A-Pooch is technically two for three. Speaking to him during the week, he's adamant that he actually picked the polar bear last week in the show. And as far as he's concerned, he's three for three. But he didn't bring it back to me, so as far as I'm concerned, he's two for three. Now we're going back to balls this week after the toys didn't quite work out the way it should have done last week. And we've decided not to use any orange ball because orange does seem to be one of his favourite colours. And with Houston playing in orange, that's kind of tempting fate. We have a red Santa ball. That is going to be a Whitecaps win if he brings that back. We have a green tennis ball conglomeration. If he brings that back, it's going to be the draw. And we have a pink ball. If he brings the pink ball back, he's going for a Houston win. So let's see what Predictor Pooch says for this week. Are you ready, Predictor Pooch? On your marks. Get set. Fetch a ball. So he's going and one of the balls has gone into the toilet. One's gone under the table. He has gone for the red ball. Predictor Pooch is going for a second Whitecaps home win. Congratulations, Whitecaps. You're going to be Houston Dynamo on Saturday. Predictor Pooch has said it. Let's see if he's right. That's all for Trio Time this week. Trio. Too loud. Trio. I said that was too loud. I want a trio and I want one now. So that was Michael with uh, Trio Time and obviously Predictor Pooch making a special appearance, like we said, and he has predicted a Whitecaps win. And he's two for three so far, so hopefully he improves his ratings and gets up to a 75% accuracy. So, guys, uh, let's talk a little bit about formation. I don't want to go too much into it. Let's talk about first the back line. Levron definitely played well last week. Do you think Demer comes back into the lineup? He, people are going to say that he was being rested, so you can't really say he was, didn't, he was being benched for bad, poor play. So does he, he doesn't lose his spot in the lineup due to being rested at this point. No, but, well, if you're asking what I would do, it may be different than what I think is going to happen because I, I think Demerit's coming back in and I think, like I mentioned earlier, it was a, a little bit of a wake-up call, but Robbo probably handling it well and making sure, protecting his guys in the media and, and amongst the fans and he's expecting Demerit to come back to this game and I think that was going to happen no matter how good of a game Johnny Leverone had. Now another another spot. Obviously, I think we we're all in agreement that Kofi's coming in for Rio Coker at this point. He he did he came on as a sub against New England, and I think he's he's been impressing the last couple of weeks in training at this point. Yeah, Kofi's definitely starting this game with the Rio Coker injury, and based on his play last game, and based on how well he's in training, he definitely gets to start this. Week. And your other options are either Bryce Alderson, who, who not sure if you want to bring him in at this point in time, or. 
uh, Russell Tybert coming back there, and I think he might be better used out, out yeah. wide or up the pitch a little more. I think up top, I think we all were in agreement that Maddox and Miller are going to be up top with Morales in there. don't know if Maddox will play the wing spot or Miller, or they'll probably switch back and forth. But I don't see them dropping Miller, even though he wasn't a great game for him, but I don't see them dropping him, especially for a home game coming back after two weeks. Who's the who's the guy that that gets knocked out the, the the final spot in the lineup? Do you think it's who who would your vote for be would be Tybert, Fernandez, or do you think Mane comes off the bench and takes one of those two guys spots? Uh, I, I mentioned it earlier. I think Tybert's got to be set in stone there because of that. They're attacking fullbacks there. And he didn't have a terrible game, and he's always going to put in a good effort. So. So I think Tiber will be the, the other player in with, and I agree with you, it's going to be Morales with Miller and Maddox. Although anytime you play both of those guys in that 4-2-3-1, one of them playing out wide, with if you're assuming Morales is your number 10, is kind of playing with a square peg in a round hole because neither Miller nor Maddox are their best position is up there. So maybe you'll see them both drift up towards the top. Would like we know Tiber can obviously offer the de- defensive part of it. Would it be ideal maybe to because you're at home again to have an attacking option right off the bat and having Mane in there, or do you think Tybert is the best option with the defending? I think Tybert is the best option given that Mane. I don't think he's a hundred percent yet. I think he's still struggling with that back injury, and he adds that speed in the second half, sixtieth minute when he comes in attacking tired defenders. So I'd give it to Tybert this week until Mane can get his health up, get some quality minutes behind him. You know, he missed out on 75% of the preseason, so I don't think he's quite ready yet. So those are our thoughts on the lineup. Now, one other thing we should also mention about the lineup, if if it's the players that we have here, that and, and Fernandez isn't in the lineup, and there is an option for them to move a little bit more to a 4-4-2, uh, whether it be a diamond or a flat, because they have guys like uh, they have guys like Kofi or Lava and Tybert and and Morales who can play in the central midfield. Th- that gives them more of an option to switch back and forth and dif- you know move and be a little bit more flowing in, during the game. Because against Chivas in a, in a couple preseason games, they actually were pretty effective playing a four four two diamond. Yeah, they especially against that game against Chivas. I mean that was the only time that they really put any pressure on. So it wouldn't surprise me, especially with two guys, like I said, Miller and Maddox, who both would prefer to play up front. It makes sense as far as you're making the system play to the players that you have on the pitch rather than the other way around. Yeah, last season there's too many games where we didn't have the proper players on the field to play running system. I think with these players that we have, like you said, they're couple midfielders you can interchange them you know they're willing to run help out with the defenders 442 would would work well for these guys prediction time Aaron if you take it off first what, what do you think is going to happen in this game uh, I'm calling for a 2-1 Houston win I I just don't see the Caps scoring more than one goal against Tally Hall so I'm um, 2-1 Houston win Jay what do you think it's tough after watching those last two to uh, come right back and, and go for another Whitecaps win, but that's what I'm going to do. I think I think the Whitecaps, just because they're at home, they've generally played Houston pretty well. So I, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Whitecaps victory. 
Yeah, I think I agree with Jay. I'm not uh, so far. In fact, so far I think I've predicted a Whitecaps win in every game. So I'm just gonna keep going along with that. <laughs> but I'm gonna take a Whitecaps win. I think it's gonna be two to one. And I think what what I think is I think the, the combination of Demerit and O'Brien will be able to slow down a Bruin if there's anybody that's gonna be a, a problem for them. I think it's gonna be Bonia Garcia and Barnes. I think those two guys are gonna be. Uh, the problem. I think Bruin is not going to be an issue in this game. I think he's 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 a good striker in MLS, but I don't think he's a superstar striker. So three goals in two games, I don't think he's going to keep up that pace at all. So those are our thoughts on the game itself. Jay, where can we find you online? I am at J underscore Duke on Twitter. Aaron? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AACamp81. That's AACamp81. Also writing for AFTN on Canadian Soccer News. And now Reading covering Whitecaps for Last Word on Sports. And you can find me at Whitecaps Beat and obviously writing for AFTN as well. And Michael McCall, who makes an appearance on Trio Time. You can follow him on at AFTN Canada on Twitter. And Predictor Pooch has his own Twitter account apparently now too. So you can follow him. I believe it's at Predictor Pooch. Just sound it out and type it in. It'll be fine. Followers than all of us. It seems it will eventually. I'm sure of it. Especially people betting on the games. <laughs> um, so that's our thoughts on the game. The game is at four o'clock on a Saturday. You can. It'll be on TSN two for people watching on TV. If you're not going to be at the stadium, and obviously fourteen ten if you're not able to watch it on TV. So once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the game and see you at the pitch. When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the world service of a Saturday afternoon, crackly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Ah, oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm? Yeah, but-